Welcome Ministries presents Encounter God's Truth, offering timeless truths for changing times. We're bridging the gap between the Reformation and Thanksgiving between Reformers and Pilgrims, enjoying our annual visit from special guest teacher Dr. Andy Woods. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and this is the fifth fall in our tradition of welcoming Dr. Woods for unique teaching on the Reformation. And you can hear all of the archives on our page at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. And if you missed part one of this study last week, you can find it there as well. His theme this time is the Reformation and America. We're examining questions like, how did the Reformation influence the beginning of our country, the framing of our Constitution, and the development of our system of government? How did it affect everyday life and culture at the time our country was founded? In part one, Dr. Woods developed his thesis across two areas, the doctrine of total depravity and the early American educational system. As he stated, the Protestant reformers put into the ground certain seeds that were later brought to maturity in the formation of the United States of America. Dr. Woods serves as the senior pastor of Sugarland Bible Church in Sugarland, Texas, and as president of Schaefer Theological Seminary. He is also an attorney with a passion for both American and church history. He's the author of a book on the Reformation called Ever Reforming, and he led a tour of the sites of the German Reformation back in 2017, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Dr. Woods comes back now to speak to us about the Reformation in America. We're eager to learn more and welcome him for the conclusion of this series. Here's Dr. Andy Woods. We are bridging the gap between the Reformation and Thanksgiving. Is it really true that the principles that came out of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century actually led to the founding of what today we call the United States of America? We believe that there is a direct connection between those ideas, and therefore the answer to that question is yes. Let's start with the scripture itself. After all, the emphasis of the Protestant Reformation was a return to Scripture alone. What does the Scripture actually say on this issue of liberty and freedom? Notice the words of Jesus himself in John chapter 8 and verse 32. There Jesus says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Just a few verses later in John chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus said, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 also placed a great emphasis on liberty when he said, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Most people believe that this biblical emphasis on liberty relates to spiritual freedom only. And certainly that is its primary meaning, because when the lost sinner places their faith in Christ alone, for salvation. There is no doubt that Christ sets the lost sinner free. However, this concept of freedom, once experienced spiritually, quickly translates into the political 
arena. And this is why everywhere the principles of the Protestant Reformation have gone, the result has not just been spiritual liberty and freedom. Let's uh, document that by starting with a man named John Wycliffe. Most would know him as the morning star of the Protestant Reformation. Most people date the beginning of the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther on October 31st, 1517. While Luther most probably had the biggest influence, there were others that God raised up long before the time of Luther to lay the groundwork for later events which became the Protestant Reformation. And one of those individuals that God raised up was a man named John Wycliffe, who lived from 1330 to 1384. This is a name, John Wycliffe, that you probably have heard as his influence continues down to our time. He was involved in some of the earliest attempts to translate the Bible into English. Wycliffe's goal was to put scripture into the language of the common man, which contradicted all that the Roman Catholic Church had stood for throughout the Middle Ages. Because of his influence, Wycliffe has been rightly called the morning star of the Protestant Reformation. Wycliffe attempted a translation of the scriptures into English, for which he was declared a heretic. And after his death, they had his bones burned. However, there's something very, very interesting that one finds in the general prologue of Wycliffe's 1384 translation of the Bible. When you look there, you'll find the following inscription. It says, quote, The Bible is for the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Close quote. What an interesting quote that is, because that is the same verbiage one finds in Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address when he talked there about how a government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. It's very interesting to note that while many believe that those words originated with Lincoln, the truth of the matter is they actually originated with John Wycliffe all the way back in the 14th century, even before the Protestant Reformation formally began. They originated with Wycliffe, who is known, as we have said before, as the morning star of the Protestant Reformation. In other words, Wycliffe saw the principles of what later would be called the Protestant Reformation as not just relating to spiritual things, but translating into political things as well. And as the Protestant Reformation took hold, the thirst, not just for spiritual liberty, but also political liberty impacted a group of people that later founded the United States of America called the Pilgrims. One such individual was a man named John Winthrop. And in his famous 
writing entitled A Model for Christian Charity, Winthrop said this, quote, For we must consider that we shall be as a city set upon a hill. The eyes of the world are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be a story and a byword throughout the world. Close quote. In other words, John Winthrop, one of America's early Puritan leaders, wanted America to be a city set upon a hill. Now, where in the world did John Winthrop get this expression from, a city set upon a hill? Well, you'll find that expression in the words of Jesus Christ, as recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. There, Jesus said to his own disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In other words, Winthrop took the principles of spiritual freedom found in the Sermon on the Mount and translated them into political terms, thereby laying the foundation for the future United States of America. Winthrop also said this, in his life and letters of John Winthrop. Quote, It will be a service to the church of great consequence to carry the gospel into those parts of the world to help on the coming of the fullness of the Gentiles and to raise a bulwark against the kingdom of the Antichrist which the Jesuits labor to rear up in those parts, close quote. In other words, John Winthrop wanted to not just have spiritual freedom from the Jesuits or Roman Catholicism, but he wanted to have political freedom from them as well. And he saw America as a bulwark against the oppression, the political oppression of his time that he calls here the kingdom of the Antichrist. And so you see this thinking in the minds of the Puritans where they wanted spiritual freedom from Rome, but they thirsted for political freedom as well. This uh, later became translated into what is called the Mayflower Compact in 1620. This would represent America's first legal document or charter, and this is what it says. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, close quote. In other words, America's founding pilgrims were thirsting not just for spiritual freedom, but political freedom as well. And when they came to these shores, they set up America's first public school system in the state of Massachusetts. And in 1642, they passed what is called the Old Satan Deluder Law. And here's what the law said, quote, it being one chief project of that old deluder Satan 
to keep men from the knowledge of the scripture as in former time. It is therefore ordered that after the Lord hath increased the settlement, they shall appoint one within their town to teach all such children to read. They shall set up a grammar school to instruct the youths. Close quote. In other words, when the pilgrims came to the United States of America, they said, number one, we've got to raise the liter- literacy standards. Why is that? Because we've got to have people knowledgeable and literate in the scripture. Why is that? Because we don't want to go back to the former time. What's the former time? The former time is when we were in spiritual bondage and political bondage to Rome. And this thirst for not just spiritual freedom, but political freedom is an integral part in understanding the founding of America. Historian William Federer assembles various primary source quotations showing the nexus between the Protestant Reformation and the founding of America. And he does this in an article entitled How Luther and the Protestant Reformation Had Political Repercussions on America. Let me share with you a few of these citations. William Federer says this, quote, In the two centuries following Luther, different kings in Europe chose different denominations for their kingdoms. This resulted in millions migrating from one country to another simply for conscience's sake. Many of these Christian religious refugees fled Europe to settle in the colonies in America. Close quote. In other words, the pilgrims, influenced by the Protestant Reformation, basked in the spiritual freedom that they had found through a return to the Bible, and that translated into an appetite and a desire for political freedom as well, something that they weren't allowed or afforded in Europe, and that's why so many of them left Europe to come to these shores to found this city on a hill called the United States of America. There is a New York University professor named Patricia Bonomi who wrote an article entitled The Middle Colonies as the Birthplace of American Religious Pluralism. And here's what she said, quote, The colonists were 98% Protestant. In other words, only 1% to 2% of America's population at the time of the founding were Roman Catholic, and only one-tenth of a percent were Jewish. Federer says the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were predominantly Protestant, with the notable exception being Catholic Charles Carroll of Maryland. The truth of the matter, folks, is that our country was not founded by Jews, although our country has a great love for the Jewish people, going back to the days of George Washington. Our country was not founded by Roman Catholics. 
But the primary emphasis or foundation of the United States of America were Protestant Christians, those that left Europe seeking for political freedom in a way that they could exercise their spiritual freedom given to them by the principles of the Protestant Reformation. British statesman Edmund Burke, addressing Parliament in 1775, said, quote, All Protestantism is a sort of dissent, but the religious most prevalent in our northern colonies is a refinement on the principle of resistance. It is the dissidence of dissent and the Protestantism of the Protestant religion. You see, the Protestant movement taught dissent from Roman Catholic hierarchy, and that translated into political terms as our Puritans sought political freedom dissenting from Europe and European powers that sought to squelch that freedom. Here is something very interesting said by Samuel Adams when he signed the Declaration of Independence. He said, quote, This day I trust the reign of political Protestantism will commence. Close quote. Here's another quote, this one from John Adams. And he said in his dissertation on the canon and feudal law in 1765, quote, Desire of dominion becomes an encroaching, grasping, restless, and ungovernable power. Tyranny, cruelty, and lust was soon adopted by almost all the princes of Europe. The people were held in ignorance till God in his benign providence raised up the champions who began and conducted the Reformation. From the time of the Reformation to the first settlement of America, knowledge gradually spread in Europe, but especially in England. And in proportion as that increased and spread among the people, tyranny lost its strength. Close quote. The truth of the matter is everywhere the principles of the Protestant Reformation have gone, the result has always been two things. Number one, a desire for spiritual freedom. Number two, a desire for a place to exercise that spiritual freedom politically. And this became the thinking of the Protestant reformers translated into the minds of the Puritans who were instrumental in the foundation of the United States of America. Notice uh, the words of Thomas Jefferson, and this comes from a letter to Joseph Jones dated August the 14th, 1787. You'll notice what uh, Thomas Jefferson says. He says, comparisons of our governments with those of Europe are like a comparison of heaven and hell. And what Jefferson is saying here in that quote is, in the United States of America, freedom reigns. But it's not that way in Europe. And I'm here to tell you folks that that mindset would not exist in the foundation 
of the United States of America had it not been for the principles of the Protestant Reformation, which focus on freedom through Scripture and focus on dissent, and you continue to dissent against human authorities until freedom is granted. And so as we celebrate Thanksgiving, as we celebrate the pilgrims, let's not forget the influence of the Protestant reformers on the pilgrims. We are very familiar with citations like this from Patrick Henry, who said, quote, gentlemen, may cry peace and peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. An amazing quote, a wonderful quote, but let's remember the background of that quote. It was the principles of spiritual and political freedom given to us by the Protestant Reformation, inculcated into the minds of the pilgrims who founded our great country, the United States of America. God's Word is true from the beginning to the end, and we see evidence of that all throughout history, including the period since the Reformation going forward to our day. Dr. Andy Woods is sharing another set of messages from his distinctive perspective as a pastor, theologian, historian, and attorney. We've really come to enjoy his remembrances of the Reformation each fall here on Encounter God's Truth. Remember that you can hear them again anytime by visiting sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. And you can always get there from our webpage at whitcombministries.org. For more edification and news about our ministry, see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash whitcombministries. And as we complete this emphasis on the Reformation in America, Dr. Woods, I have another question for you. What should we as Christians in America be doing today to continue the good legacy that the Reformers left to us? I would say that if that primary legacy is freedom, first of all, we should be promoting freedom at the legal, governmental, and political level. Anytime you get an opportunity to vote for freedom rather than tyranny, take that opportunity. Every time you get the opportunity to speak up, either in the workplace or at home or maybe even writing uh, an editorial for the newspaper, we have to understand that the political freedom that we have came to us because of an initial interest in spiritual freedom. And the more I practice spiritual freedom, the more I am continuing on the principles of the Protestant Reformation. And how do I practice spiritual freedom? By simply not returning to the bondage of sin. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles. 
The book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The book of Romans chapter 6 verses 12 through 14 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members of instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. In other words, folks, let's say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And when we do that, we're saying no to bondage and yes to liberty. And let's follow the impact that our reformers had on our pilgrims and let that translate into the political arena by voting for and standing up for freedom at every opportunity. The Reformation and America. That's been our unique theme here on Encounter God's Truth for the past two weeks. And we want to thank special guest speaker, Dr. Andy Woods, for taking the time to be with us once again to prepare these broadcasts. As we approach Thanksgiving Day and celebrate the coming of the pilgrims to these shores once again, we rejoice in all that God has given to us to provide for our nation. We have so much for which to be thankful, not the least of which is all the stations that share this weekly Christ-exalting radio broadcast and everyone who listens and is blessed by it. Next time, it will be the weekend before Thanksgiving, and we'll be touching on that subject directly with a message from the archives by our beloved teacher, Dr. John Whitcomb. Until then, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Rejoice in all that we've learned today about the Reformation and America.